0: Hi, this is Glenn Engler, CEO of Digital Influence Group. Have you ever wondered how you could be like one of the guests I speak with on Market Edge, representing some of the most influential brands in the Fortune 1000? It's all about what you know. One way you can be in the know is by downloading the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app for iPhone and Android. Here you can listen to every episode of Market Edge, plus sample their large library of radio programs that are sure to expand your knowledge. Download the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app today. Now available in the iTunes Store or in Google Play Store. And get your marketing edge.
1: Business is changing. And new marketing avenues are opening up every day. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show that brings you the innovators and trendsetters, taking us to a new age of marketing, media, and social business strategy. Welcome to Market Edge with Glenn Engler. Get ready to hear perspectives on social media and digital marketing that will help you gain insight into the unique opportunities and challenges facing marketers and thought leaders today. Now, please welcome your host, a Fortune 500 industry figure in the marketing and communications world for more than 25 years, and Chief Executive Officer of Digital Influence Group, the host of Market Edge, Glenn Engler. Hi, and welcome to Market
0: Edge. I'm your host, Glenn Engler, CEO of Digital Influence Group, a full-service digital marketing agency that helps companies unlock the social potential of their brands and amplify its impact to drive business results. Today, I'll be talking about VC funding in the information technology sector with Chip Hazard, general partner at Flybridge Capital Partners, an early-stage venture capital firm whose mission is to assist entrepreneurs in growing innovative global companies. As a general partner, Chip's investment interests and experience broadly cover companies and technologies in the information technology sector. He currently represents the firm on the boards of TenGen, First Best Systems, Infobright, Masuni, Placemark, and Cyformix, and is chairman of the board at PatientKeep. Cheaper. Chip was previously a director at Bow Street, acquired by IBM, Gobi, acquired by TeleNav, Jingle Networks, acquired by Marchex, Mvalen, acquired by Oracle, Reveal Imaging, acquired by SAIC, and SupplyScape, acquired by Tracelink. Prior to Flybridge, Chip was a general partner with Greylock Partners, a leading venture capital firm he joined in 1994. While at Greylock, Chip led or participated in numerous successful investments in the enterprise information technology field. Chip received a BA with honors from Stanford University and an MBA from Harvard Business School where he was a Baker Scholar and a Ford Scholar. You can connect with Chip, and I highly recommend it, on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash chazard or read his blog, Hazard Lights, at www.hazardlights.net. It's great to have you on Market Edge, Chip. Welcome.
2: Well, thanks so much, Glenn. Happy to be here.
0: So f- let's start out for those of our listeners who may be unfamiliar with Flybridge. Tell us a little background about the firm.
2: Yeah, so Flybridge is a 10-year-old venture capital firm uh, that myself and some partners founded in 2002. Uh, We focus on software-driven technology companies uh, that are uh, targeting markets with significant growth potential. We tend to invest very early uh, and then support companies throughout the growth process, something we call seed-through-scale investing. And we work work with these entrepreneurs as they're building their businesses in, in many different ways. We have about five hundred and sixty million in capital under management, a team of seven investment professionals spread across our two offices in Boston and New
0: York. And you as the general partner, um, and knowing you personally and as a board member for a number of these portfolio companies, so file under inquiring minds want to know what's the day in the life of Chip Hazard? <laughs> every every day is
2: different, which is the fun part about the venture capital industry. So you never know, you know, what great entrepreneur is gonna walk in your door one day to Tell you a story about a company they want to start and a, and a market they want to transform. So that's the, that's the fun part. As a board member, and, uh, which it, is where we spend a lot of our time with our existing yep. portfolio companies, our role is to really help support these companies as they work to achieve their growth objectives. Uh, different times this entails many different things, uh, but the high level is that we tend to focus on working with these entrepreneurs to help them build out their management teams, think through their strategy, uh, their product plans, their go-to-market activities, financing strategies. And then we're also working uh, throughout uh, the tenure we spend with them on opening up doors at potential customers or partners uh, to help them build their business.
0: Hmm. So um, for the listeners who aren't um, as used to the early stage or the VC world, um, so if you're when you're pitched by a startup hoping to get funded, um, what are some of, without obviously giving away trade secrets, but what are some of the criteria or characteristics that you look for in the company and the team behind it?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. So in, in some respects, in many respects, the venture business is, is simple to describe and perhaps hard to execute on. Uh, what we're looking for in companies that we tend to invest in are passionate, talented entrepreneurs that are going after you know, massive markets, and they have a unique vision for how they're going to, uh, you know, transform them with a with a highly innovative, generally technology-driven solution. On the team side, you know, the characteristics of these executives that we're getting in business with are, are people who, you know, have these deep insights into the market they're going after. We have an internal term that we use. We're looking for pied pipers, so people who have a unique ability to get other people to join their parade, whether those are... Uh, people who are going to become employees of the company. People who are going to become customers of the company. People who are going to be partners of the company. Uh, and we're looking for a, a general self-awareness in terms of what, you know, an executive may be good at and less good at so we can really work with them to build a team uh, that has some complementary skills to fill in some of those gaps. On the, on the business side, you know, we, we tend to look for businesses that have a lot of technology differentiation to provide uh, barriers to entry. Uh, we love businesses that are very disruptive to existing incumbent vendors, where you can, you know, sneak in from the bottom and really uh, drive a lot of growth before, uh, perhaps, some of the obvious competitors you know, notice what's going on. And we also tend to like businesses that show significant network effects, whereby, you know, each incremental customer or or the benefits of of scale tend to you know increase the value of the solution that they're that they're bringing to the market. Right.
0: Um, so playing off the the. Fascinating several questions that come from that, but one, you're, you talked about the uh, differentiated to create barriers to the industry, but then I love the phrase about disruptive or sneak in. Can you give an example of, um, of one of those that um, sort of met that criteria just to, to help people understand what that really means?
2: Yeah, so we're investors in a in a new database platform from a company called TenGen. It's a database product called MongoDB, which is an open source non relational database that's uh, seeing tremendous adoption in the marketplace. It's an open source product, free to download. You know, lots of developers try it, use it, and you know, next thing you know, you know, there's hundreds of servers within a given uh, company mm-hmm. that are that are you know driving you know key applications on this technology, and, and we're able to do that without, you know, necessarily, be, you know, waving the big flag in front of, you know, a lot of the large uh, existing players because it's a, a very uh, unique product that, uh, that offers a lot of differentiation for specific use cases.
0: So what was interesting about your, when you talked about the, it uh, was really helpful about the disruptive stuff, makes perfect sense. What was interesting to me is you spent um, the first uh, 60% of the quick description talking all about the people side and I guess that makes sense hadn't really thought about that but um, how how do you guys tab folks that are coming in it, it seems like you've got you know the numbers are, are probably uh one part of the equation easier to dive into and in looking on the technology but you do place such a value on that passion and entrepreneur so what are the types of things that you you look for how do you decide probably pretty quickly who these people are um and whether they're the right you know they're that pied piper
2: yeah, so oftentimes they're coming to us highly recommended by friends and colleagues we have in the industry that we have a lot of respect for, so we mm-hmm. always have to, you know, start the relationship with that kind of introduction and so on, speaking for them. Uh, we we tend to, you know, well, decisions are perhaps made mm-hmm. somewhat quickly, it's a very intense period of time when you really are uh, spending a lot of time with the entrepreneurs to understand how they think, how they approach problems, how they uh, mm-hmm. have seen success in their past, and and really working to identify, you know, the pattern matching, if you will, across having seen hundreds of companies over the almost 20 years I've been doing this of, of the characteristics of those those individuals that can really go out and, and and make something from nothing, which is ultimately what
0: they're trying to do. Right, right. Um, so you mentioned uh, TenGen earlier. There are a couple. Um, pick another portfolio company or two that you guys are working with right now. What was it that caught your attention? And um, you know, where do you where do you see what they're doing that's successfully blazing a, a trail in their respective industries?
2: Yeah. So, so TenGen, which I mentioned, you know, the things that caught our eye there, you know, very accomplished, successful team. The the founding team were the executives behind a company called DoubleClick, which was an early. Uh, internet test story in New York in the uh, mid uh, mid to late nineties. Uh, yeah. we've the passed. They also were going after a you know a massive market opportunity to the worldwide database market. Op- op- uh, excuse me. The worldwide database market is you know twenty to thirty billion dollars in annual revenue. Uh, mm-hmm. so a Very significant market opportunity with a disruptive solution, as we talked about. Some other examples in our portfolio that we're excited about, we have a company here in the Boston area called DataZoo, uh, which is a uh, demand-side platform for large uh, enterprise advertisers in the uh, digital and online world, uh, very accomplished uh, management team. Again, another uh, very large market that they're targeting, uh, online display advertising, yeah. many tens of billions of dollars, also moving into mobile and video. Uh, and, and as dollars shift, obviously from from print and traditional mass media into the online world, you know they've proven to bring to market a very effective solution to help advertisers, you know, better decide where to run those uh, run their advertising. And then a third company that's uh, maybe a little bit off the beaten path, but but equally uh, interesting, is a company uh, called Open English. It's an online English language. La- uh, sorry. It's an online English language learning platform focused on uh, Latin America. So they are mm. targeting the rising middle class in Latin America and countries like Brazil and uh, Colombia and Venezuela who are looking to learn English to get ahead in life, and they do that with a online platform entirely uh, live instructor-led. And these are the kind of solutions that you, you know, couldn't conceive of bringing to market you know five or even ten years ago you right. in a very you know, cost-effective, high-quality way for their uh, end consumers.
0: Those are great examples and absolutely, you know, knowing the double-click model from uh Former Life, that's, uh, that, all three of those are fantastic examples. So one of the things you guys have really been pushing are points of view around cloud computing and you posted on your blog um, some of the trends in cloud computing and how the market's evolved over the past few years. How do you see the cloud enabling innovation and influencing how entrepreneurs decide to build their company?
2: Yeah, there's, there's really two angles on that. One is we're seeing a whole swath of companies that are uh, building new technology platforms that take advantage of cloud computing, and, and oftentimes traditional legacy technology solutions don't translate very well into the cloud. Uh, but the other and, and perhaps uh, even more important opportunity created by cloud computing is that it just significantly changes the cost uh, to start and build a application uh, of any kind. And so as opposed to, you know, 10 years ago where you had to buy infrastructure and buy software solutions and hire a team of 20 people to go out and build an application, hmm. today through uh, the infrastructure that you can you can get through an Amazon Web Services or the like, through hmm. platforms as a service like Heroku, open source technologies, uh, APIs that are accessible, you can knit together applications extremely fast uh, in a very high quality way and a very scalable way uh, and that really allows entrepreneurs to to start companies very quickly, iterate fast, and really work to find that right product market fit uh, without expending a lot of resources to do so.
0: So is that one of the things you guys are seeing as um, as entrepreneurs are coming in that the, how that organization thinks about integrating cloud into their operations, does that change the way that you um, you look at the the future potential of that of that company?
2: I don't, I don't, I don't know if we change how we look at a company, but almost every new company that's coming through our door is leveraging the cloud in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. and and so that's been a, a significant change again over the last five or ten years. The other change is that as a result of the capital efficiency, if you will, of, of starting these companies, you know they're tending to raise far less money to get started. You know, as they scale and grow their right. business, they'll need to deploy more significant resources. But to get going and and identify, you know, that the customers that they're targeting really do indeed like the solution that they're bringing to the market. They can do that you know, much more cost effectively.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. Makes tons of sense. Absolutely. The other, um, obviously, cl- not surprising, clouds in there. The other thing, and I was, um, someone was joking about this earlier, that um, every single company, if they have at least um, two names in a database, they're going to be in the big data business. So, big data seems to be this wonderful phrase. Um, but uh, I don't think anybody's running around saying they do. Small data. Are, are you similarly seeing an influx of companies out there coming in with quote big data solutions?
2: Yeah, there's 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 been a tremendous amount of activity in that space, in, in really in two levels. One is in the infrastructure level. So how do you uh, manage, store, analyze uh, the vast quantities of data that you that that are being yep. created today and that you can uh, you can access today. Uh, but the perhaps on a go-forward basis, the more interesting area that we're seeing a lot of innovation in it is in the use of big data to solve very specific sort of vertical market challenges. So we have
0: companies yep.
2: leveraging big data in healthcare and in financial services and in retail, uh, and and there they can provide really transformative business insights to the end customer because you can you can look at trends and you can look at quantities of data that. Uh, would have previously been very difficult to wrap your arms around.
0: That makes absolute perfect sense. All right, we're going to take a very quick short commercial break. Please stand by, and I'll be right back with Chip Hazard and more of the conversation.
1: Market Edge will return in just a moment. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com. Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com. It's good to be king. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to
0: teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs.
1: Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. WebmasterRadio.fm Welcome to the place your competitors get their edge. Jump on it. We're here for you 24-7. We're back with more Market Edge, bringing you the best and brightest voices in digital marketing, only on webmasterradio.fm. Once again, here's Glenn Engler.
0: Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Glenn Engler, and I'm here today with Chip Hazard, General Partner at Flybridge Capital Partners, talking about VC funding in the information technology sector. So Chip, over the past year or so, you and uh, your general partner, David Aronoff, have discussed a number of um, dynamic computing investment themes, and you talked about the rise of developer-driven business models. There's some great blog posts, uh, everybody as well, out there from you guys. Can you talk about this concept and why you see that a bottom-up developer-led model can be more effective in reaching customers than the perhaps more um, uh, traditional top-down approach led by the sales team?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So so one of the things we try to do uh, here at Flybridge is identify, you know, big market trends uh, and, and the rise of dynamic computing, which is really a euphemism for, for cloud and open source and highly virtualized environments is one of those trends. And then within those big trends, we tend to find, you know, very specific sub-themes that we're, we're seeing companies uh, generate a lot of enthusiasm and access around and, and try to look for portfolio companies that, That fit around those themes, and and the rise of developer-driven business models is is one of those themes. Uh, It ends up being an observation that's obviously very market-specific, so it's not necessarily applicable Mm -hmm. to all companies. But the real change is is what we're seeing across large enterprise uh, IT organizations is that what in in the past you used to see technology-driven decisions being driven really from the top down. So the CIO and architecture review board. Uh, would determine that we we're going to use these platforms you know, for all of our applications. Today, it's, it's tending to be much more bottoms-up and much more organic. The, the end developer is making a set of choices around uh, what products they want to use for, you know, for their database, for their security systems, for their, uh, for their other pieces of their infrastructure, and that allows young, new companies to build products that really meet the needs of those developers, allows them to achieve what they're trying to achieve very quickly, uh, in a very high quality way. And then uh, when you show up as that uh, potential company uh, as a potential customer, you know you're doing so uh, when you've got a base of very happy users within the organization. <laughs> and so there's still a role for sales, uh, but you're you're doing it in a manner where the end users are already supporting uh, your product and and liking what you're doing and and it you know shortens sales cycles quite significantly.
0: Right, right, really interesting. So I can only imagine the intensity and the the uh, the pace of change in the space that that you're playing in. What are some of the trends that you guys are seeing over the next um or expect to see over the next, I don't know, 6 to 12 months in the enterprise IT and consumer infrastructure sectors?
2: Yeah, so so what we're seeing today is that there's just tremendous amount of opportunities really across broad swaths of the U.S. economy. So if you look at the impact of cloud computing, you look at the impact of mobile and mobility, you look at the impact of social and big data analytics and all the things we've been talking about, you know, it's not segregated into the, just the IT sector. They're, they're having yeah. impacts on fintech, on education, on healthcare, on retail, even on government. So. What gets us excited is just looking at the breadth of innovation that we're seeing and the, and the quality of uh, entrepreneurs who are trying to apply their energies against these sectors to uh, really create a lot of change. So it's it's very mm-hmm. exciting time for us.
0: One of the things we certainly see a lot in our, as, a, as an agency, our uh, clients tend to be more the, the CMOs, but we're seeing a lot of the rise of the CMO as a key influencer in a lot of the IT decisions um, and uh, I think there's some data about c m o s ultimately um uh, accounting for more influence of big i t budgets than even the c i o are you does that then change the dynamic of the of the company composition to all of a sudden have a potentially different uh customer to sell to and work with
2: Yes, yeah, so we have customers who who are targeting you know various layers of an organization if you will yep um so the CMO and the rise of the CMO is absolutely a trend we've seen. We have probably a dozen companies who would, uh, if you pin them down, would tell you that the CMO is ultimately their, their, uh, their customer and their partner. Yeah, and, interesting. And the CIO obviously still plays an important role, so you need to make sure you're building technologies that fit with how CIOs want to see technologies product your right. organization. But, uh, again, as you think about uh, the need for growth and driving growth across an organization and segmenting your customer base and, thinking about new markets, all those are, are facilitated and driven by technology, and the CMO increasingly plays an important role there.
0: Right. Really interesting. A whole different dynamic and, and uh, language requirements and um, uh, nomenclature, and I'm, I'm sure, is also required. Um, actually, so one of the things that stuck with me early on when you introduced Flybridge, you talked about offices in New York and Boston. Um, not in san francisco how have you guys thought about your specific area of expertise and connections and um you know why boston new york
2: because of the the nature and the stage at which we invest which are very small and very early stage companies when we first get involved it's it's much easier to do that closer to home if you will a lot of our time and attention is spent with our entrepreneurs and and really you know being a partner to them to help them build a great business and that's a lot easier if you don't have to get on a flight to be able to meet with them face-to-face. Yep. Face. So, so we've tended to uh, stick close to home. The reason we uh, recently opened our office in New York is we're just seeing a tremendous amount of entrepreneurial energy in uh, New York City. A lot of young, talented uh, entrepreneurs yep. maybe previously would have been drawn into Wall Street or today thinking right. about building their own companies. and as you think about industries going through a lot of transformation, New York is obviously the epicenter of of many of those, whether it's financial services or the advertising industry or uh, uh, retail or uh, education or healthcare, there's 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 publishing and media. So so name an industry, you know, big epicenter in New York and and a lot of talent trying to figure out how to partner with those customers and and a lot of talent looking to start new companies uh, targeting those
0: industries. Makes absolutely perfect sense. So, a um, couple of last questions before I let you go. What's been some of the most, uh, what's been most rewarding about the experience as an early stage VC investor?
2: Yeah, obviously the, the things we love is is we ultimately think of ourselves as as being company builders. And so when you get involved with a company and it's three people and an idea and you know ten PowerPoint slides and and five to ten years later you've transformed that into uh a a large company with hundreds of employees and hundreds of millions of dollars right. of revenue you know that's that's what we get our satisfaction from is knowing that we played a small part in helping those entrepreneurs you know realize those dreams and and build great businesses i think the other most satisfying part of the job is is the variety every day is different you know there's always a new technology trend there's always a new market opportunity and so it's never uh, never boring that's for sure <laughs>
0: and as you um happily stated on your blog you may be one of the few that has an action hero figure named after you um you got to explain what that means
2: yeah that's right the uh, fortunately <laughs> it's a movie that was not terribly well watched uh, there was a movie <laughs> a number of years ago called small soldiers where the uh the main character was a toy soldier gone bad named major chip hazard so i i tried uh, to to not live up to the example he set but i <laughs> I certainly have plenty of uh, action figures in my office to keep me busy when uh, when things are a little slow.
0: Fantastic! And voiced over that was Tommy Lee Jones, right? Uh,
2: you That's, got it. You got it. Yeah. Nice
0: All right, there you go. Um, well, I hope you don't go bad. All right. So just before I let you go, one of the things I like to do on the program is do a uh, at the very end something we you know I I happily call a speed round, and what I like to do with the guests I just throw out a couple of Technology or trend or key activity, and get people to say the you know quick word or two description from their point of view. No right or wrong answer. Um, so let me start with daily deals like Groupon, Living Social. What's your take?
2: They're going to need to transform their business. Uh, I think the the core model uh, was interesting, but is probably going to lose. Uh, lose energy over time, but I think Groupon. If you look at what they're trying to do with Groupon Goods and the payment space yep. and other things, uh, is leveraging the success they've had in building a relationship with hundreds of thousands of small merchants. Uh, and and so I think they'll they'll be able to make that transformation. But if, if they stick to the to the old tried and true, it may be a little bit more difficult.
0: Yep. How about QR codes?
2: QR codes. I'm personally skeptical on. I, I understand the need, but but I have not felt like they are quite hitting the mark.
0: Yeah, missing something, especially their their use in different places, although I think Target just came out and said they're doing a big push around retail that allow you to shop um, the top 20 items and go directly to the basket, which potentially starts getting a little bit more interesting when it's connected to commerce, but I agree with you. How about the last one? How about the whole concept of mobile commerce?
2: I think mobile commerce is, if you include iPads in mobile and other tablets in mobile, I think mobile commerce is absolutely here to stay and and is a significant opportunity. I know from my friends in the e-commerce industry, they increasingly see more and more of their users coming to their stores via uh, mobile and tablet devices and uh, the organizations that best figure out how to adopt and modify their shopping experience because you can't take a traditional e-commerce website and put it on a phone and have it, uh, have the same kind of user experience. So if you make those changes, I think people will see some tremendous benefit from
0: that. 100% agree. All right, well, I want to thank you, Chip, for being my guest today, and thanks to everyone in the audience for listening to today's conversation. If you have any questions or would like to talk further about the topic of today's show, feel free to connect with me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash glen Engler, or on my blog at www.glennengler.com Visit www.webmasterradio.fm at 12 noon Eastern Time on Tuesdays to tune into episodes of Market Edge. For Market Edge, this is Glenn Engler. Until next time, I'm out.
1: This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network we welcome you to sample past episodes of this program as well as our complete library of programs on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm The opinions expressed on this program